Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, if there's any out there. This is Nick returning with the second installment of The Screw. It is a Friday morning on the arrival date of one of the more anticipated films of all time, G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra. Fuck off. You've got to me. What an embarrassment of riches we have to be experiencing a G.I. Joe movie on this day and date featuring Arnold Vosloo. If you think about how life has been up until this moment, how are you prepared for this? This is fucking Arnold Vosloo, starring vehicle, theatrically arriving, also features Dennis Quaid. Incredible. It's an incredible thing. It's a, it's a special day. It really is. I'm proud of, uh, I'm proud of Stephen Summers for having the, the uh, wherewithal to cast him. I'm proud of uh, the financiers to approve the budget, which is a rather sizable budget, for an Arnold Vosloo film. It's just a, it, Barack Obama has brought change. Are you fucking kidding me? Arnold Vosloo is the star of G.I. Joe. He plays Zartan, the guy from Never Been Kissed. So we did. We A group of us went and saw uh, good old G.I. Joe last night. We'll talk about that a good bit. But uh, there's a there's a shitload of stuff, and I don't know what kind of show we're gonna have today. I, I'd actually kind of like to find a find a balance that uh, is unique to this, so that we can have a little bit of legitimate discussion, uh, actual news and and stuff like that, and then coupled with the the shit you're known to expect. So I'm um, checking the chat room here, Let's see if anyone's living out there. I'm sure I see Ren in there. That's good. Ren was at the screening last night. Uh, and uh, this kind of portion is that just died yesterday. John Hughes, known for uh, a myriad of very, very important films in the 80s, teen films and whatnot. And uh, it's been an interesting response to see. You know, the people, there's, of course, is the people that instantly, whenever somebody famous dies, anyone who's even somewhat partially influential, there's that whole outpouring of grief and, and, and uh, you know, it's grief. It's so easy to just type, rest in peace, so-and-so, and, and you've done your part, you know. So there's a lot of that out there, but there's also the kind of uh, it's the grain type of stuff for the people that uh, more, more or less belittle the people that are upset. And Devin actually kind of made a comment about that, too. And, and, and I think John Hughes is an exception to that. I think, I think the loss of John Hughes is actually really significant because he, uh, even though I don't, the whole what have you done for me lately thing doesn't cater to him because he's been really out of the scene for a long time. Um, he's still John Hughes. And especially uh, in the 80s, you know, and in, in, in I'd say what, from 16 Candles through Uncle Buck? I mean, is there, there's really very little you can complain about the guy's work in terms of... Uh, what he was able to contribute. There's a lot of films being made during the, the time that he made his his bones that were completely 
just vacuous, uh, lowest common denominator teen movies. And he was the antidote to that. And, and I think in some respects he's responsible for those kind of films coming up, but there's no doubt the guy was such a gigantic um, part of what made a lot of people's formative years you know, worth enduring. I mean, they, they, he catered to the losers. He catered to the people that were the outcasts. He catered to the people that um, were who they were and didn't make apologies for it. And I think there's something to be said for that. Um, and according to IMDb, the guy uh, did a lot of stuff, uh, you know, without using his... his not all that spectacular, but when a guy that's age 59 who has a breakfast club a 16 Candles, a uh, As Much As I Hate It, a Ferris Bueller, Plane Trains and Automobiles, Uncle Buck, She's Having a Baby, which is an underappreciated little movie. When he, when you've got that in your, in your, in your resume, I think you've, uh, you've made, uh, you've earned the right to get the eulogies that you're seeing on Twitter, Facebook, and sites like mine. So it's a shame. It's a shame that he died because uh, while I don't think he was one of those people who had like the another one in him, and I don't think he had the passion to really make the effort to go out and try to see how um, a 50-something John Hughes film would be. I mean, Cameron Crowe, to me, seems to have kind of become that guy who is the semi-autobiographical, really kind of um, uh, emotional and heartfelt, sometimes to a fault, type films. I mean, not that they're comparable, although, I mean, Fast Times at Regimont High does have sort of parallel to Breakfast Club. It's kind of like, yeah. So, the shame about Hughes, uh, I could think of a, a dozen people who I would rather have died. Um, I mean, there, you can just basically scroll through the top ten box office and find plenty. So, shame about that, and uh, and uh, thank God we have G.I. Joe to help recover from that. Because if we didn't have G.I. Joe, what the fuck would we, where would we be as a race? without Joe to make us the loss of John Hughes more bearable. So, I'm, <laughs> Molly Ringwald's probably, right now, she read the news about John Hughes and she looked at her, uh, looked at her bank account and started to cry. Um, the other thing that's opening this week, and this is another kind of interesting thing, is is the the new David Tui film. And if I had I had no clue it was a David Tui film until I accidentally clicked for the a perfect way. Uh, for those who don't know, David Tui is the guy that did the Pitch Black movies, but more, more importantly, he wrote Terminal Velocity, which is a, a magnificent movie. He also did The Arrival, which is a magnificent movie. And Below is an actually really solid little flick. He's, a, he's one of those kind of like just off of center, solid, solid filmmakers. He's never going to change your, the way you look at life, but he's, he's, he's really good. Um, and Perfect Getaway or, uh, is uh, intriguing. Steve Zahn, Tim Oliphant, Oscar snubbed Marley Shelton, uh, former... Paul W.S. Anderson, Broodmare, Mila Jovovich. It's an interesting little cast. Looks like he uh, he might be a little bit late to the party in terms of the subject matter, but um, I understand it's got some pretty pretty neat, twisty elements to it. And um, who does Steve's on? 
I mean, if, if you have a problem with that, man, you got you should just fucking touch your own stomach for a while. So, uh, I think Steve's for the people wondering. Steve, Steve might be coming by in a little while. You know how that guy. I mean, what are the odds he's going to actually uh, wake up on time and, and be of value? What I am going to do is go to the phone and try our first caller. It's a 404 number, somebody from the Atlanta district. Let's see who we got out here. Hey. Hello? Yeah. yeah. It's Micah. <laughs> is, is the sun a little brighter this morning? I'm little, uh, is the air a little, Is the air a little crisper? <laughs> I'm, I'm all aglow after that G.I. Joe last night. Micah, Ren... L. Gray and Steve Murphy and um, Andrew Sweeney last night at 12.01 were part of the deluge of people into C.J. Joe and I there's nothing quite like overlap during like that because sometimes I didn't know whether to laugh or cry I could help steer me on the path of good I was, it, it, as long as you're doing both at the same time at some point during the, the movie, you should be good. I got I mean, prostate was, cancer from watching it. <laughs> but it's the best kind of prostate cancer. Yeah, so your memory is a lot sharper, and I saw some of the stuff that you put on the message boards about G.I. <laughs> Joe. Where does this rank in the pantheon of those kind of movies, like movies that are are just so shamelessly embracing the act of dumb filmmaking and make the most of it. Here's, here's the great thing about it. It is every bit as stupid as, say, you know, the uh, Van Damme Street Fighter flick, which people know I'm a, I'm a best fan of. <laughs> but the thing is, is that Steven Summers actually had a budget. So... It's like nonstop action scenes, and it actually manages to be entertaining at the same time. Like, not just, not just stupid, not just hilarious, but, I mean, there's enough going on on screen so that you can genuinely enjoy some of the action scenes. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, it had a massive budget, seemingly. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, despite the fact that, you know, it's not really spoiling anything here, but the, the last third of the movie essentially is Star Wars done by retards. And, like, the, the entire plot structure. But that notwithstanding, like, all the other action scenes, I think, leading up to that, I mean, especially the whole Paris sequence, which is like a straight-faced Team America, it, that's brilliant. Yeah. Well, I mean, he said he's a good action filmmaker for the most part. I mean, it's you know, he's he's no pushover. I mean, he does rely a lot on the digital stuff. I mean, even the Mummy was kind of buoyant. Yeah, you know, you know the the thing is with this sort of film. I mean, it uh, you need kind of a guy like that because honestly, how are you going to do a practical Hummer with uh, rockets and lasers on top? <laughs> I, I love a good old practical Hummer. <laughs> okay, well, the non-slang version of that is pretty hard to do without the the wonderful artist at Digital Domain who worked yeah. out on about maybe 75% of this movie and the other 25, as we discussed last night, you know, their interns got some solid experience. So I cannot wait, wait till the DVD 
when you see uh, the guys that when they're designing the GI Joes like main craft go into their effects house and you I type twenty go to ten run. <laughs> yeah, I, and the funny thing was is like you know some some filmmakers are extremely anal about the uh, the the effects. And they, I once went when they were doing Hellboy. I went in and, and was watching uh, Guillermo do like like the most minute. There was like a minor effect, and he was he was going over it, and they replayed it and replayed it on this big screen, and it looked perfect. I mean, my untrained eye was like, wow, that's really cool. And he found like fifty things wrong with it that they ended up having to fix, and it actually did make a difference. But the guys, like Stephen Summers, doesn't have that gene, so he he sees like he sees like a. You know the cloud storm and the mummy, and he's like sold. Is this this is perfect? And he's like they're like we haven't even added the the pixels. Like, done. Let's go to the next scene. <laughs> and GI Joe is is like that to the nth degree. It's like there's so many effect shots. I mean, there's like shots of cars driving that you don't even need an effect for, and and yet it's in a, it's completely in effect. And and so, you know again, I, to me, that's that's why Summers was so perfect for this because. It's a movie based on toys or a cartoon that was based off of a toy line. So you need cartoonish, you know, it, who needs freaking photorealism? It's, it's stupid. And the, the worse the effects, the more I enjoy it. I'm going to bring, I think Ren's on the phone. I'm going to bring Ren on, too, so we can have, like, the ultimate G.I. Joe discussion team. Is that you, Ren? I am here. I am here. <laughs> you said... You sound like you're on, like you just slept hard after watching GI Joe. Yeah, that uh, it knocks me out. Of course, you know I had that long drive home, so I, I got to bed quite late. Yeah, but you were you got you your dreams were filled with sugar plums and scarlets in her invisible cloak. I wanted to. Uh, not forget to mention that uh, we were talking about um, Mr. Uh, Kevin J. O'Connor, and I haven't seen a lot of some earlier movies, so I realized what I remembering him from was playing uh, Daniel Plainview's brother and There Will Be Blood. And then to jump from that to Dr. Mindbender was, was staggering. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The thing, the thing is, is that Kevin J. O'Connor's as good as There Will Be Blood is, and as good as he is in that, he'll always be the guy from Deep Rising, Treat Williams' is second in command. Yeah, it seems like I saw him at the exception of his uh, filmography first. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm, good. No, I was, I was going to say that uh, I, the cameos by the people who were in The Mummy in this film to me were so much more fun than any of the actual like cast regulars. Like when Brendan Fraser and Kevin J. O'Connor uh, and Arnold Vosloo show up, I, I I had so much fun with their parts that, you know, I I could look past the charisma vacuum that was Channing Tatum. <laughs> you know what? I'm actually looking at the cast of Deep Rise and this is better cast for a G.I. Joe movie. Listen, look, listen to this. This is incredible. Treat Williams is is Dennis Quaid's character. Fonke would have been a better would have been a better Baroness. Uh, Kevin J. Yeah, O'Connor yeah. could play every char every character. 
<laughs> I'd like oh, to see. Wrong? I'd like to see. I'd like to see West Duty try to slip into Snake Eyes' uniform. <laughs> Jason Fleming is is fucking Destro. Cliff Curtis is Saeed Tamagotchi's character, and then Jim and Hansu is fucking Heavy Duty. That is amazing. That's also a true sentence about Diamond Hansu. He is fucking heavy duty. <laughs> and Tre- Trevor Goddard <laughs> is is best after the weapon. <laughs> In his current condition? <laughs> exactly. He can play every corpse. <laughs> the, he, he, he took the idea of being a red shirt to the extreme. <laughs> He's a fucking method actor committed to his craft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, but it was it was it was an experience. I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, I th- I think you, each has a personal point in which they fall. They they just give in to the dark side with that movie. It's like. You know, you know it's going to be dumb, and you know it's going to have so many issues, and you know there's going to be shitty stuff to be seen. But at, at some point, there's got there's a, probably a particular moment in the movie where everybody's like, "All right, I'm in. I'm going to do you know whatever what? shit." You for, for me, it's eight seconds into the movie because as the soon Hasbro as logo? That, no, right after the, the Hasbro logo is great enough, but right after that, when they do the dramatic music and it's like dun dun. Paramount and Spyglass in association with Dun Dun Hasbro. If you are not sold on the movie at that point, if you're not ready to have a good fucking time, leave and please go see Hurt Locker or Moon or, you know, spend, spend a more worthwhile two hours. But if, if you are ready at that point, then God damn it, you will have a good time. Yeah, leave if you're not Incredible. ready for 17th century France to happen to you. <laughs> I cannot believe they did that. The film starts off with a fucking flashback to what year? 1631? Uh, 1631. Unbelievable. Canon, I wonder? No. I don't think so. Well, it's, and, and that's like, great because it's, it's the only flashback that, you know, uh, dips into Highlander territory. Like, the rest of them are like straight 80s action film flashbacks. Unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's charming. What about, um, you know what, I'll tell you one thing, Marlon Wayans didn't really... Did I scare you away? No, I, uh, for some reason, I'm, I'm on a cell phone right now, and, and you, uh, you flipped out on me. I heard Marlon Wayans, and that was it. He didn't bother me. Uh, you know, he's okay. Uh, I mean, I guess if you're going to compare him to his role in Dungeons and Dragons, he would be fine. But, I mean, then again, so would leukemia compared to that. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, he, he set, like, such a low bar that simply being, like, not as annoying here, you know, he, he succeeds. Yeah, I think he, he's I think actually probably him. ideal. I a couple times with the humor that was, you know, either bore or terrible or chuckle-worthy, but they didn't harp on it, so it never got terrible, terrible. 
Yeah, you know the thing that the thing that like Marlon Wayans, like what I really actually like, and a lot of people are going to compare the two films like this and Transformers too. And the thing I liked about like this film and Marlon Wayans in it is that Summers was like, you know what? It's silly enough. We don't need that much comic relief. Whereas in Transformers two, there are like what eighteen comic relief characters who took up like half the screen time. And it was it was yeah. just like it's it's such a contrast night and day. Like Summers is like, you know what? You came here to see fucking Joe's with these like toy like machines pull out technology that will never ever exist. Here you go. And it's like Michael Bay is like, well, to let off from the tension of Devastator forming, let's have fart jokes for three minutes. Yeah, you know what? I, I, Dennis Quaid really out of his element here. It was like he it was very uncomfortable almost to watch him. It's like, you know, there's hammy roles where you see good actors in bad movies, like a Ben Kingsley, like a Uwe Boll or whatever, but this was different. This was like I, I don't think he knew how to do it. I don't think he had it like a got those great pulpy movies he had done in the eighties because he just seemed bloated and confused to be there. Yeah, but you know, the the last film he did before this was what, fucking Horseman? So I don't. I don't think he. <laughs> I don't. I don't think he came out of that going. All right, back to the big leagues. I'm, I'm sure he had a realistic expectation. Well, any shot, any of the shots where he's in the control room or the large group of faceless goes and they're cheering action that's happening elsewhere, and everybody's triumphantly roaring. He always just had these shifty eyes, like. Where's the bathroom? What do I do now? Sort of look to him. I think. I think it also they probably had to have somebody on set just to remind characters. I mean, all the actors. Which character holograms currently? <laughs> that, that shit's hard to keep track of. <laughs> I was I was waiting in it for like the final shot for the whole screen to turn to a beam of light and then retract back into the projector. Is is yeah, the yeah. amount of, of of holograms in that film were just uh, astounding, which G. Joe can only afford half. So <laughs> great fan of that. Really? Okay, we got color. <laughs> what about three dimensions? No, we have color. We're we're good. We need we need to spend full hologram. You march to Mars industry, not at G. <laughs> Joe. We don't play that shit. Yeah, we have budget cuts coming, so fuck it. You're gonna have to make do with the flat color hologram. Let let well, Cobra pay for that expensive shit. Five trillion dollars for our underground base. Not they're, they're like you. You guys want healthcare or you want a fucking full hologram? Which is it? <laughs> yeah. You're not getting both. Uh, are Sam Wilson and Channing Tatum the same? Uh, I'm wondering if Channing Tatum and fucking Lumber at Home Depot are the same thing. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, I've seen that guy in one or two things, and I didn't mind him because, you know, he's always kind of played himself like that kind of like mumbling street character, you know, uh, a straight-up kind of guy. But for Duke in this movie, it was just like, it, there was nothing there, nothing at all. It's like he's so uninvested in anything that he's doing. 
And when he actually has to, like, show emotion, like, there's one point where, you know, uh, another character is interrogating him and reveals something horrible that he did. And, you know, he has to say, you bastard, something like that. And and it's just, like, it, it's such a half-ass, like, you know, exclamation from him. You can just feel like he, he the guy, it just brings nothing, absolutely nothing. And I'm not looking for great acting and fucking G.I. Joe. I'm looking for someone, like, committed to have fun and, and just kind of go with the flow. And that guy just seemed, he was lame. He is so bland. I mean, he is just absolutely devoid in this. And, and, and I know <clears throat> a lot of, like, I, I think he, they, he exists to get the 14-year-old girls to go with their 13-year-old boyfriends to see the movie. Because he looks good, you know, and he's, he's chiseled, and, and his name is Channing. He's two shades, like, blander than Wahlberg, his worst. Like wow, he was happening. He was happening level. <laughs> wow, that's, that's how I felt about Sam Worthington. Sam Worthington. Sam Worthington to me is the same way. Like in uh, in Terminator, he was. Uh, I enjoyed he, it. Carl Bland. Not, he didn't. Yeah, I thought he was okay. Over, but. Yeah, but he was he was entertaining uh, enough to me. I, I thought he had some screen presence. I mean, I guess more interesting parts of the movie in his favor. Yeah, and, and, and also, I love that Mick G, like, let him do full takes and, like, an Australian accent, like, full on, and, like, did, like, no ADR to correct it whatsoever. Like, his character, like, that accent, <laughs> he's like, yeah, oh, I'll tell you, it is something, boss, and then he's, like, right back to American for, like, the next scene, and it's just awesome. Well, what happens, whenever he, when he reboots, Sometimes he's holding down the F12 key, which is Australian mode. <laughs> his cat walks across the keyboard in his CPU and engages. Where, where is the Where is the Terminator's keyboard located? <laughs> no, it's 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 he's got the iPod like on screen one. You just he he has capacitive touch eyeballs, so. <laughs> How about how about Storm Shadow? What an actor! <laughs> that you know, I, it, it's fine. Like you know, Storm Shadow. It, as long as you can bring the physicality, who who cares? You know, I it, and and to me, like it, they delivered with the Storm Shadow versus a uh, Snake Eyes fight for the most part. I thought Ray Park and and. I whoever the actor is, I know he's like a big deal, but I, I don't I don't know the Storm Shadow guy, but um yeah, he's not a big two, deal. Well he's it, you know, he's apparently a big deal overseas. I, I don't I'm not familiar with his work, but I, I know that he's like something of a phenomenon over there. But he's he's pretty good. Hey, I like fight Snake Eyes. Say that again? I said Ray Park did bring it to Snake Eyes. Like he, he did a really decent job. Like Snake Eyes is probably the best, some of the best acting in the movie, and he doesn't ever break his vow of silence. <laughs> his vow was. Here's my thing: if the character doesn't talk at all, which you know they kind of established the kid, 
Snake. They're flashbacks to Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow as children. So Snake Eyes and Snake Eyes doesn't talk in those. He he grunts and fights. How does he ever take the vow of silence if he doesn't speak in the first place? How do you do that? Fight silently. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't. He didn't realize he was in Japan. Maybe he like he he was. He, so he, some uh, like a white van pulled up to a playground in Boston. He's kicking some ass, and then they 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 doped him up and put him in a truck, and he wakes up in Japan, and he just thinks that he's experienced sort of bizarre um, illness where everything sounds really stupid. And he can't understand it. <laughs> and he and he has a sudden craving for rice. Yeah, that one. I love that scene. There's a guy. There's a scene in, in GI Joe where a guy carries an enormous bowl of rice out of the room. That's his. Like, here, here's what you need to do. Summers is like, you need to grab a gigantic bowl of rice and walk here. Guy's like, I'm going to IMDb to enter my my credit now. Rice <laughs> carrier number two. Here's the problem though. They did like 74 takes of that scene. Like, take 50, he's like, no, fuck, no, no, look, left foot, I, right foot, left foot, right foot. Let's go again. Thank, thank God we'll find out all about it when James Lipton talks to the right carrier. <laughs> <laughs> and by talks to him, you mean gives him his order for, for dinner that night. <laughs> um... Uh, the, I thought the flashback, the flashback got a little out of hand. They showed um, the, the woman pushing Snake Eyes' carriage up, up next to Storm Shadow's carriage, and they start <laughs> smacking each other. You realize that they both had the same bizarre birth rhythm. I, I love, I love how the flashbacks are supposed to show that they're like brothers. When in actuality, like Storm Shadow hated him from the second he appeared. And, and never never liked him, but when he sees him 20 years later, he's like, brother. <laughs> I, I think there was a missing flashback in there. <laughs> yeah, there was, no, no love. there was never love there. Yeah, he's like, I hate you. I killed our master. Oh, hey, brother. That <laughs> <laughs> was, was, I love the fact that uh, he's a ninja. And the master is stabbed by a katana, and he's slumped over, and Snake Eyes looks, and there's a very, a very nervous-looking Storm Shadow sneaking in plain sight away. In white. Bright white. Yeah. He's, he's like, I thought I was wearing the invisibility cloak. Oops. <laughs> but and it's funny, do, it's like... They it's, do keep their colors, or lack thereof. They they stick to their black and white. Like Storm Shadow didn't show up in a black outfit and fuck up the whole program, and Snake Eyes just marks it off because he he's not going to do it. Now Storm Shadow had like. Okay. No, go ahead. I'm, I'm, uh, this is, yours is better. <laughs> no, I, I guarantee it's not. <laughs> I, 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 I did love that uh, all the Cobra people like you know they they basically had like Armani design. Like outfits, like not just the battle outfits, but like Baroness could like slip into the little like you know chest revealing number, and Storm Shadow had like that nifty uh, white leather jacket with the the uh, the collar pulled up, and he's got like the the train behind it, and ah, 
Cobra was so fashion focused, it, it was silly. Um, yeah, Star Shadow was feminine. I kind of wondered if he was still taking lessons from the Hard Master. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. He likes inserting sticks in the thing. And uh, he's really moody and emotional. I there's no there's no way that that you could call that at all. And he's and, and he's and he's best friend Miller. I, I love the fact that like there's like this little mini subplot that he 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 threatens to kill the Baron if he touches Baroness again. And I don't understand is is whether or he didn't want is he pissed off that her you know that he's got better clothes. <laughs> well, it, the great actually they yeah. they start with those flashbacks, and then the flashbacks continue to the point where um, uh, basically the the world of GI Joe by the end of that movie is shrunk to like six people because everyone is so related and interrelated, and, and like you you've never seen family ties. Like you have in this movie, <laughs> like the the third grip on the, the the third Cobra soldier on the left, and like scene thirty two is like the the third cousin to you know Lady Jane, who is the uh, ex wife of you know uh, Duke, who is the it, it's so ridiculous the relation between all the good guys and bad guys in this movie. Uh, and and then there and then there is Joseph Gordon Levitt. Love it. Yes. <laughs> the the biggest twist in one. <laughs> Again, I'm gonna assume most none of this was canon. I no, this yeah. was this was Derringer. <laughs> <laughs> this was Uzi. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the funny thing is though, it's like. This is so great though because it's uh, it's it, it is closely intertwined. the The last act of uh, of GI Joe is basically Return of the Jedi. It's 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 amazing. It's a, it's a wondrous thing, and 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 well, it's basically really the 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 third acts of like all three like original Star Wars movies smashed together. Like there's the assault on the Death Star slash Cobra base. Then there's the uh, climactic, um, you know, lightsaber slash sword fight between related peeps. And then, and then yeah, then there's like the Return of the Jedi, you know, multi-prong um, battle thing happening too. So it, it's real. It, it is so Star Wars aping. Like that with thirty minutes left to go, it is it is not even fun. They follow Empire back to the bone, like the scene where um, Storm was blowing some guy in an alley. (laughs) 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 You know what I'm thinking? Whatever happened to Stalker? Where is Stalker in this movie? They only have room for one African American soldier. No, no, wait. There's Rip no, there's, there's heavy duty. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I'll let it be your little 
that Marlon Wayans is a legitimate black guy. <laughs> there, here's the thing. There's only, like, you know, three or four working in Hollywood at any given moment. And, like, Chiwetel Ejiofor was doing 2012, so they couldn't get him. And uh, I, I think Derek Luke was doing that crappy ABC TV show that we saw the trailer, or NBC or whatever, the trauma that we saw the trailer yeah. for before the movie. And that just left, like, uh, I don't know, Anthony Mackie. I guess he was doing the Hurt Locker. So they were, they were Robert, shit out of luck. They fucking lost. <laughs> They're, they're like, we're down to Marlon Wayans and DMX. <laughs> <laughs> and Robert Wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, the guy from uh, from Oz and Law. Which, actually, you were talking on the message boards about how bad his accent was. I think that's his real accent. Saeed Tamaz. No, 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 no. The guy from Lost and, and Oz, uh, the guy who played Heavy Duty. Yeah, yeah. T the only person who could say his name perfectly is Marley Matlin, <laughs> and she doesn't mean it. I do anything. No, fuck it. I give up. Um, no, I, his accent to me, I like. It, it may be real or not. It seemed exaggerated here, like awfully bad. Like I was getting visions of Don Cheadle and the Oceans movies, occasionally when he was doing Squine. And, uh, you know, it, it's not really much of a character anyway. He essentially is like, he's supposed to be like the badass drill sergeant or colonel, commander, whatever. But once Duke shows up, like, he's, he's the chauffeur. He's like really a young... young a young, blade-looking Morgan Freeman. There you go. <laughs> I yeah, he, he looks... Like nice. It's not flipped into the movie at one point when they were in the, the van or, or whatever. And then you realize that they're only going with current actors. <laughs> yeah, that, but yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. And, and, and God damn it, if I was nine years old, I would have had my first my first orgasm. Yeah, I mean it hits on every. I mean, if you if you want, you know, the the ninja hand fights where they get plenty of to You want wants and destruction. They got that too. You want to see those fucking accelerator suits do stupid shit? Damn it, we got that too. You want to see Scarlet tits bouncing up and down all over the place? Well, you know what? You, we got that too. I mean, they cover every base. They really do. Actually, you know, the um, the uh, the accelerator suit scene like a lot, and I'm glad that it wasn't slow motion like it was in the trailer, for the most part. And, but the, yeah. the best thing is, is like there. Are, I want to see. I, I want to see um, the, the, a movie about just the collateral damage movie. Like some guys commute work, he gets slammed in the face <laughs> with a, a fucking semi. For no reason. It's, like, so great. You know, there's not even an, a, an offhand reference, like, oh, shit, we just killed 91 civilians on our mission. <laughs> it's incredible. Well, the thing you have to remember is that that took place in France, and because yeah. we're Americans, they officially do not count. So there were no casualties. Uh, there was no collateral damage in that mission at all. I think 
it's funny. I know somebody has mentioned it or I've read it somewhere, but I'm surprised people aren't harping on it more, the fact that this movie really is just Team America played straight, like with no satire. And yeah. down to the France scene. I mean, it's... Except, except the whole Middle Eastern thing isn't touched on at all, which is good. This is true. Right. Well, except for camel bothering. See, the, a camel is irritated in this movie. And a polar bear, extremely irritated. Yeah, it, there's... I wouldn't call it animal cruelty, more like, I don't know, animal... Animal provocation? <laughs> no, it's more like... It's more like... It's... It's it's uh it's excessive abuse of a polygon. <laughs> I was thinking it is the Humane Society oversees the the creation of pixels for the polar bear. No, there, there's two great things about that. First of all, the polar bear that that in the, it looks like it was from the very first Coca-Cola polar bear commercial. I, I thought incredible. about that too. It looks such like the Coca-Cola polar bear. The, there was a disclaimer in the end credits that was one of the best I've ever seen. They said some of the scenes said some of the scenes involving animals were supervised. No animals were hurt during those scenes. That's what it says. So that what was, they're yeah, really saying that. is the it's like between takes the fucking cove happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking that snake actually it since it was what the only real animal in the movie took pro- probably all the damage. <laughs> the cam, the camel, I think, think were real at one point before they turned into skeleton readout on a screen. But you I, know what would be a fun, a, a fun way to watch the rest of your life is go back and watch every movie that features Jonathan Price and pretend it's Arnold Vosloo. <laughs> <laughs> that would explain. That would explain the accent in Ronan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love that they had Jonathan Price as the president of the United States in this movie, and, he, and he's like American accent. I don't have the time. <laughs> that has to be one of the more. He's like I don't even, I don't even have time for for human words. I'm just going to click and grunt for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I will act entirely Jonathan with my eyebrows. Talk about a guy who like just said fuck dignity like like overnight. That guy. Jonathan Price. Was like, yeah, he was like he was like a, a kind of a classically trained actor. He was in some like really kind of significant movies. Obviously, Brazil being high on the list. Tomorrow He's never dies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and my point mentioning that is to say that I think Jonathan Bryce gave up the ghost a long time ago. Yeah, he, I think he, I think Glenn Gary was probably for him. Uh, Ronan's a great movie, but not because of him. Right. He, he's one of those guys. Yeah, he's great. pirate. Yeah, he can be in junk like this, and he's supposed to be one of the you know guys with gravity bringing some sort of dignity or whatever to it. And obviously it's not the case, but, you know, fuck it, he brings more than, you know, Channing Tatum or Santa Melton. Let's uh, let's bring in another caller. I'm I'm hoping that they're going to enhance this discussion. All right, this is somebody from the 715 area code. Hello, caller. Uh, Hi, it's Lucas from Wisconsin. Hey, what's going on, Lucas? How you doing, man? 
good. Uh, I kind of want to talk about uh, G.I. Joe, mostly, though, about the lack of kind of good summer action movies. Like, there's G.I. Joe, you have The Hurt Locker, and I guess Star Trek to an extent, but other than that, there's really nothing else. I don't think people care more. I mean, I, I did, like, the, uh, they, they just want to see big movies. Like, I mean, Harry Potter is considered a summer movie now. I mean, like, the, the people are content to see these franchise kind of cornerstone movies coming out, and it's enough for them. Like, Iron Man, which is a pretty good action film. Yeah. Um, and, 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 like, in days, that would have been, you know, that would have been on, on the list of stuff that you people are paying to see. They usually, how many good cop movies have been made in recent memory? There's, there's none. Well, you do have to keep in mind, and I, I wonder if this will change the pattern of the summer. You know, biggest, dumbest, stupidest, you know, film of the summer, Transformers, is almost $100 million ahead of everything that came out this year. So I don't think the summer is going to get any smarter anytime soon. That's an indication. Did it uh, grow Star Trek? Yeah, it's, uh, Transformers is way ahead of everything. It, it up is in second place, and Transformers has that by like email, but I may be completely off on my fingers. Yeah, Trans Transformers it, it, it's only one over three hundred domestically, right? It's almost so at four hundred domestically. Yeah, yeah, and, and nothing and nothing else has even gotten to three. So yeah, it's 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 pretty. It, it's a shame. I mean, I guess to some extent, you know, there are a couple of um, a couple of the ones like Terminator were like, I guess, you know, the ones that really got rushed because of the uh, strike a, a little while back. And to me, like Terminator Salvation, like it was it was it was entertaining enough. I I didn't I didn't mind it, but yeah, definitely with more polish and a little bit more care, could have been such a, a better movie. And um, yeah, I, yeah, I get that feeling from a lot of these. Like, it, because of these, there's such a long lead time and, and the amount of effects and stuff that has to go on, it just seems like, you know, these stories are, are, are being just kind of slapped together. And, you know, thank God that that doesn't even matter with G.I. Joe. But, yeah, it, it's definitely hurting. I think, you know, uh, summer temple movies that will actually last, like something that's going to be memorable, like, uh, you know, a couple of years from now. And I... I just don't see it happening with this year's crop. Oh, the studio. You know what's great? I'm, I'm looking at the list of 20th. The 20th Transformers 2 is the 20th highest grossing film in history in the world. Is that right after in Land of the Lost? No. It, it, I mean, it, this includes back in the, when the beginning of G.I. Joe happened, like in the, in the 1600s. Transformers. <laughs> Fucking oh my god, that's interesting. Echo. Unfortunate. That's yeah, it's it's incredible. So Lucas, I don't know, man. I, I think I think now I think what we have to do is get like the fact that a counter programming movie like Hurt Locker is considered the best action movie of the summer. Yeah. Well, it it, it helps that you know the Hurt Locker. Uh, number one, yeah, was was definitely a movie that they put a lot of care into the script and characters. And number two, that because they they weren't dealing with that that ridiculous budget, 
where you do have to have all that long lead time and the release date is set in stone by the, the studio, you know, two years out or whatever. Uh, you know, it, it's really like human size, human scale drama and action, and it draws you in. It, it's and it's really well done, and uh, it is a shame that that uh, it's not. I mean, it's doing well, but you know, it's never going to break out but so much. But I, yeah, it's it's you know these movies because they're just becoming so big and so digitally, you know, laden by necessity. It, it's just you know. It, there's no real emotional content, anything anymore. Any of these action scenes, it's just like, oh, okay, you know, there's one or two, like, money shots for the trailer, and, eh, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I don't want to defend this summer or other summers, because, like I said, I don't know if it's going to get any better. But I think, especially with the, the big movies that had the long lead times that met their development phases, in the script, I think, or in the during the strike, I think this is the summer of the strike, if I'm not mistaken. A lot of these films were, I guess, kind of hamstrung by that. And I don't know, maybe Transformers really was, you know, as quickly developed as they say. Because in $400 million, maybe proved that they don't have to spend a whole lot of time on the scripts, the creative, and Actually, before they start previews. If, if nothing else, Transformers had to, I mean, the, the post-production time on Transformers is insane. So, I mean, like, I think, yeah, I mean, it was rushed, but the film, the only thing about a film that really feels rushed is the, in this, the, the story of it. And those movies, I mean, I don't know if the writer's strike would, would really affect a Transformers. Anymore. I think they just spent a weekend on it anyway. Yeah, and I think, so. you know, uh, any improvements that you can make, to Transformers 2 as it exists would be subtractive ones. You know, like that movie, like, didn't need, like, a script polish. Like, it needed an editing room polish. Like, seriously. Just so much fat at least it, on, on screen. At le- I cannot believe... Well, uh, don't make Kevin Dunn. Kevin That's Dunn. A great joke. I can't believe that movie was... So much fat on screen... <laughs> I I think Justin's on the phone. We're gonna have five people on. Is that you, Justin? I, I called in real quick. <clears throat> I've been listening, but um, you guys haven't brought up Rachel Nichols yet. Ah, <clears throat> uh, so so hot in P two. Yeah, and and her 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 rack is is just as as wondrous here. She she has got some. Some great eyes, I tell you. We can we can agree that she was incredibly hot in P two, correct? With West West Bentley. Indeed. <laughs> almost as almost as attractive as West Bentley. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, she's okay. Listening to the GI Joe conversation and enjoying it. Um, Does she have the most hits, Justin? She's 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 packing. Um, some breasts. She's doing pretty well. Um, she got terrorized in that movie, but still managed to look good. I thought that, that's and that's talent. I didn't go to GI Joe. I saw Harry Potter last night. All right, I'll get on Justin. Not really, but you can. No, it just makes me sad, man. You didn't. You didn't. 
Wait, was it? What, you didn't see the midnight Harry Potter though. No, no. So I couldn't, I couldn't it's not like you chose one or the other. I couldn't. I had plans, but I couldn't. I couldn't go to the midnight show because I'm old. But um, I saw that instead of GI Joe, <clears throat> and I know Ren saw it with his family. <laughs> yes, he did. But I'm, I'm looking at Rachel Nichols' pictures. Nice choice. Did you? I can, Go ahead, you like it, Justin. What'd you say? Did you like Harry Potter? I loved it. Yeah, I await your review. I loved it. I thought it was. I thought it was great. I was surprised. I really enjoyed it. Hmm. I know it's disappointing, right. but I, I thought it was a great movie. I thought it was certainly. Oh, we're gonna go all around here, Justin. Justin, can we go see the perfect getaway this weekend? Uh, <laughs> Mike, Mike, and I are seeing it on Sunday. Would you go with us? I've got church. Get red. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I've, I'm babysitting the Creed's cat. <clears throat> um, are you? Would you go with us? Would you go with us to the perfect getaway? I would be honored. Awesome. That sounds. That sounds very romantic. Unless, hey. So my kids coming on Saturday. If that happens, I might be busy. Yeah. Well, you can still you can still sneak out. That's what I'm Just thinking. Just take her with you, or take yeah, him with you. Labor tends to be long, and the perfect antidote to that David Tui film. You know, it like <laughs> you don't come around very often. That's for sure. Yep. So I'm every once in a while, every I'm, once in a while someone gives them enough money. To make a failed movie, you know. <laughs> Actually, is GI Joe going to make a ton of money? Because I don't, I'm not convinced it's going to. It's certainly not going to make Transformers money. No, but it is like the only big draw left for a while. Yeah, yeah, it may play a little longer than usual. I think it'll do pretty well. It seems to be like kind of. Actually, I think th I, I mean, I don't think District Nine is going to change the. Why? That's a mini blockbuster. Uh, hopefully, so. I'm looking forward to it. Is and, and the Nichols goods, I mean the goods. Oh, no. Is Rachel Nichols in District Nine? Mm. I wish. <laughs> hey Lucas, have you seen anything in film in theaters lately that's uh, worth uh, discussing? Oh gee, uh, I went and saw Funny People last week. But uh, other than that, no, no I'm going to go see GI Joe on. Uh, I was gonna uh, probably not till next weekend. By then, uh, by then they'll be there waiting for you. It'll <laughs> definitely be there. Hopefully, yeah, I'll have to catch that in District Nine. But uh, hey, District Nine's gonna be great. Yeah, but yeah, I, I like Twenty People. I liked it as much as Justin did. I just think it's three quarters of a really good movie. Yeah, I'd maybe one half of one, in my opinion. I, I was not a fan. I was just constantly entertained I mean, throughout. I thought it was always funny. Yeah, I, I liked it. I, I don't know why they, if how they made that movie and thought it was going to be like a yeah big, a big movie, a big summer film. It's just not the subject matter is just not seems more of a fall movie to me. Yeah, well. I, I, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned about where does Apatow go from here, and I certainly think that there should be 
some sort of nepotism law installed. No more, no more of his kids and no more of his wife for a while. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just like, I'm tired. I don't want to watch her dance to her fucking recital video that they want to share, you know, in a major motion picture. Just Yeah, the kids, I'm with you on that one. The little girls, like, to me, have worn out their welcome. Um, his wife, as long as she's written okay, I don't mind. I actually would rather see him be kind of divorced from some of his regulars, like, you know, Jonah Hill and, and Rogan and all. I really want him to work with some new people. Like Rachel Nichols? I can't imagine he needs those guys. I can't imagine he needs those guys to get a budget. You know, it's like, he, is, he's, he's, he's the brand. Regardless of, of who he's got in the movie, the brand is Judd Apatow. So it's like, do you, you don't need Jonah Hill. You don't need Seth Rogen. You don't need uh, fucking... The Aziz, whatever his name is, you don't need any of those people. So, fucking just make a movie that's you know unique. And and honestly, she wasn't well written in this movie. No, I don't. I I think I think her character was was maybe one or two scenes away from being fleshed out. Because it's like it's very choppy how she's a phone call and then it's like the next time you see her, it's a substantial you know teary eyed discussion. Well, I mean, I think I think that you know she, that you're supposed to assume that she's that she makes that jump because he tells her he's dying. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, before when he when she was pissed, he was just famous and not dying. Well, but, I know, but I I guess I wanted to see something of her character before that. But I, I mean, I think you I think you know I mean I think that she was I think that she was good in this movie. I don't think she's I don't think she is kind of what you're expecting. You're expecting her to be kind of become the love interest. Um, not to ruin it for anybody, I guess I just did, but um, I don't think that ending of the movie is satisfying as Avatar wants it to be, but I don't think it's a, a bad, I don't, I don't agree that it's a bad third act. I just don't get how you make that and think that, hey, we have this huge summer movie coming out. Um, it, co- like it costs too much, that's another problem. It was $70 million. The cost, yeah, I mean, yeah, $25. Well, yeah, but that's Jason Schwartzman's hairstylist. <laughs> but I mean, Chandler, Chandler probably got Chandler probably got like a third of that just to be in it. Yeah, because I mean, this certainly didn't eat. look expensive. I mean, I know that uh, who shot? No, it? he doesn't. Janice Kaminsky. Right? I know that he has a cinematographer this time, but it didn't look like an expensive movie. I don't think it was shot in expensive yeah. places. Yeah, I mean, it was it was very lush looking, but you know, I really I appreciated Sandler because to me, like I said, he was a he was different than just kind of seeing the same like right now like mainstream comedies have the same like people in every single one, even if it's not a Will Ferrell, Adam McKay, or a Judd Apatow, like they'll get at least two of the guys that have kind of been in multiple films of theirs, and it's like you're seeing the same faces doing the same kind of improv style bits over and over, and it's very stale right now. Like, that's why I'm... I'm actually, Sandler is by far the best performance in that movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I really do. That, that I want to see... Yeah, I know. I, you know, because of that, it's like I'm looking for some outside stuff, you know, like maybe the Broken Lizard guys, uh, you know, that uh, the Salmon film that they're doing next, and... And, you know, some other people, like, doing some mainstream comedies, because right now I'm really tired of, you know, Rogan, Hill, um, 
fucking, you know, Paul Rudd. You know, the same guys, like, over and over and over. Just, you're on a long-distance call. I'm going to go ahead and cut you off. But, uh, please call back in. You're one of the greats. Thank you so much. All right, sir. Um, <clears throat> what I was going to say is, Steve Murphy hasn't called in yet. I don't know if he's he, if he's woken up. He's probably still dancing, you know, in the G, the world of GI Joe. But um, <clears throat> um, the um, the uh, Apatow stuff notwithstanding, I'm looking at the box office, and it, it, it's more heartbreaking than I thought. It's like, pretty, although it, it it really is fucked. What's that? Did somebody somebody just go on a pacemaker? What the hell? I, I, okay. I am um, living in the Joe submarine. <laughs> no, because the effects have been are decent at your place. Um, I didn't realize how much money The Hangover's done. Yeah, I know. It's beaten Star Trek. How, what is... What is all-time comedy? Like, our comedy? That's got to be like... That's got to be up there. Am I uh, wrong? It didn't even have to get that high to break, like, biggest star-rated comedy and several records relating to that, I think, before, you know, now it's even huge, more huge. So, I don't know. It's just really, really struck a chord. Yeah, I'd be interested interested to see how it does maybe inflation adjusted against, like, Ghostbusters or something like that. Like, one of the seminal ones from the 80s or the 90s or whatever I, I wonder I look, if it had a bigger splash. I'm looking through. I'm looking through uh, the chart, and it has a chance of, of uh, okay, because done two about two sixty currently, and um, Bruce Almighty it beat, which did two forty two. It it beat, um, okay, freaking Mrs. Dalf. A big week has passed. Home Alone is, is, is on the horizon with 285, and that's it. I mean, that's that's astounding. Because, I mean, like, I, we all, I mean, I, I think most of us were excited about The Hangover, but we looked at it as kind of like a continuation, like riding, riding, riding kind of a wave of good, good uh, somewhat R-rated comedies, and it's destroyed them. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, it's just, I guess it's just a movie that caught on. I'm excited just because of Galifianakis, who... So I love his stand-up, so I'm happy to see him get an exposure. But I don't know. Um, I don't know what that means. I know he's going to work with uh, uh, the director again. Wait, who's the director? Todd. Uh, what's his name? Philip Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> what's his name? Todd Phillips. Phillips. So, yeah, yeah, I know he's going to work with that guy probably two more times, and that might get a little stagnant. But I guess this next movie he's doing with uh, Phillips and Robert Downey Jr. Like, that could be that could be interesting. Wow! But I, I don't I don't I mean I, the hangar was was funny to me I really liked it but yeah you're right I don't it's just word of mouth been a people, people vacuum of this summer it really I mean obviously Transformers was destined to be huge and up and Harry Potter but Hangover kind of came out of nowhere with these four guys none of which are huge stars and just took over the joint. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, plenty of Bradley Cooper in our future. That's what I'm so happy. Nothing wrong with that. I'll take... That gives me hope for the Midnight Meat Train, too. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you beat me, too. That was going to be my joke. If they only had sat on that for one... one I wouldn't joke. You know? 
Midnight Meat Train? Yeah. Yeah, no. Maybe it would have made like $100 million. $100 million? Are, are we talking about yen? Because, you know, Bradley Cooper, he's, he's a draw now. An Indian rupees? They could have had like an advertising campaign. The Midnight Meat Train, just like The Hangover. And I have to... Give me, give me, tell me the truth. Rupee, the cutest money word of all time. How do you not giggle when when somebody's throwing rupees at you? (laughs) As as they scream, yoga flat, yoga flat. (laughs) As they scream, yoga flat, yoga flame, do tech support. (laughs) <laughs> All right, we've got every Indian stereotype in one joke. We're done. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Justin, um, when are you G.I. Joe? When am I seeing it? Uh, I don't know. Now that everybody that I, that I usually go see movies with has seen it, I, I might have to wait the DVD. You guys aren't willing no. to go see it again, are you? I think we are. Yeah, yeah, I'd, yeah. I've got to see it again with you. Well, if you if you want to go again, I'll go. But um, if not, I'm not I'm not going to go see that alone. Yeah, Joe. Well, wait a minute. It's, it's not going to be done justice if you don't see it 40 feet wide. I mean, those special effects, the CGI, the rich textures and layers. You just you need to see on a sprawling canvas. Rachel Nichols. And that. Plus, I mean, like on a big screen, the dick in Storm Shadow's mouth looks much more sizable. HGTVs were built for that. How was Sienna Miller? I saw an interview with her about G.I. Joe. I liked her. Yeah. She 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 embraced the cheese very much. I think. Mm-hmm. That's good. She embraced it very much, I, but I felt like it, like one of the. I, I guess it's funny, although it, it, it's really bad. It's inadvertently funny. Is a way that they strip every possible bit of mystique away from from the character of the Baroness. Like by the end of this movie, she is about as as interesting and foreign and, and exotic as like uh, somebody working at a Walmart in Elkhart, Indiana. Yeah, Chris Farley, basically Chris Farley's brother, <laughs> who looks a lot I mean, like Chris Farley. <laughs> I mean, like you two brothers that are, that are actors. That's right. That's not a jumpy yeah. version and a thin version of Chris Farley. Yeah, the thin one was uh, in uh, Zohan for a little bit. Yeah, it was. Wait, what the fuck would a chubby version of Chris Farley look like? Talking about 40-foot-wide yeah. fucking viewing experience. <laughs> a less chubby version, I guess, is what I meant. But, yeah, oh, okay. he's, still, he's still chubby. Actually, he was on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He looked exactly like Farley. It was oh, yeah, you're right. Very strange. You're right. Hey, look, it looks like an alive Chris Farley. That's <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what it did. Oh, uh, yeah, see, Baroness, they, they, they fucked the Baroness up in terms of she's not... Or you know, go Jejo too. She will not be the Baroness as we know and love her, which means major blood has to happen. Yes. Has to be can you imagine how hammy? Holy shit! The fucking French, like the fucking crazy accent. Who would play him? 
Who's the biggest ham in the world? Eric uh, Roberts? Nicholas Cage? Oh, God. Uh, and here's the thing. He's got a tax problem, so he would do it for cheap. Actually, he has to do it because knowing was half the battle. <laughs> You're welcome for that setup. <laughs> Good old Nick Cage. Yeah. I'm, 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 yeah, Justin, you need to see it. You need to see it ASAP because you need to see like like the, the, the people that were in the theater with us. There was a guy in the row in front of us who was fucking fist pumping and celebrating every like G.I. Joe trademark. And when and when uh, Heavy Duty says, Yo, Joe, got leapt out of his chair. It was like, I'm surprised he didn't freeze in midair like at the end of Street Fighter. It was insane. Steve's got in front of you guys? Hello? Yeah, okay. I, you blanked out for a sec. Is, it worse? Is everybody on? Uh, I hear you and me. Feels lonely. I'm still around. Feels lonely. Okay. Nick blanked out. All right. Nick Tom? All right, oh, well, yeah. That guy That guy was in front of us, and he was... He was very happy. A little, a little too committed to the movie, just a smidgen. Was he trying hard? Was he really trying to be committed, or was he? Is it natural? No, he was. He was pre-sold. Yeah, I'm, put, I'm pretty was, sure it was natural since he was masturbating to the Hasbro logo. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though, I I reach for a little tug myself during that. The Hasbro logo is one of the fanciest, most pointless things that have ever been created. Yeah. Well, apparently we're going to see it more on such classics as Monopoly and... I'm back. Your phone die or something. Yeah, I got, I got booted. Um, we, need, we need to call Steve. <laughs> we do. Steve is busy masturbating to the Hasbro logo, too, actually. I think we gave him an idea. I'm going to call... I can use this thing to, to to dial guests. I'm gonna call you right now, live, and see awesome. what happens. By the way, uh, Steve's um, Ren. Do you remember what Steve's uh? Yes, uh, I his do. Desk, his uh, his his wallpaper on his phone is. Yes, I do. He's an unironic picture of John Adams. So you're going to call, and he's going to get the founding father alert. <coughs> All right, I'm dialing. I don't know what how this works, but let's see if it... <laughs> Insane. Okay. Thanks, boys. We can leave him a, a Chud Show message if he doesn't answer. This is Steven. Please leave a message. Is this Steven? Wait, who is this again? What? Steven, I want your I want you. <laughs> we have a G.I. Joe hole that you need to fill. 
<laughs> That's not flying, by the way. <laughs> he storms out of his mouth. <laughs> this, this is the Chud Show calling on your voicemail, John Adams. <laughs> what a, what a failure! You know what? You know what happened is, and Steve, we're still on his voicemail right now. He uh, saw. Let's uh, keep going. A, Rest of the show. He on saw his bizarre. He saw a bizarre long distance number. He's like, "Fuck, not another creditor." <laughs> <laughs> I've hung up on Steve. Ah, uh, damn it! Poor, I was hoping to record the rest of the show on his phone. Poor, poor little fucking Steve. Steve. Poor tiny Steve. Poor little Steve <laughs> with his adorable John Adams death. <laughs> I didn't know he was such a fan of that president. He's all about him. Yeah, What's going he, on has, with that? he knows way like too much. He liked the show, the HBO show. Is that what got him on this kick? Or he, he, yes. he read the book. The McCullough book, and then moved on to the Giamatti show, which are all amazing. Which, which, I, I'm actually just as big a fan, but I, he, he's not my desktop which, anymore. Which means, which means we're mere miles away from Steve having a Kevin Nealon desktop. <laughs> so, hey, Micah, can you see this for a second? I've got to, I've got to let somebody in the house real quick. That's that's professional uh, cutting edge blog radio. Uh, no problem. Uh, I we can uh, we can keep it going for a bit. Yeah, fellas. I'll be I'll be I'll be the two minutes. Okay. Well, I guess uh, it's it's all up to us now. So, uh, uh, Justin, when do you want to see this thing? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I I still want to see Orphan because Ren's review is like incredible. So I want I want to see that now too. Yeah, but can't can't orphan wait, dude. I don't know. Can't I, I wait. Know. I think orphan's bound to slip away a lot faster than Joe. Yeah, maybe, but orphan's kind of caught on a little bit. I think people people uh, are enjoying that film. But here is it. Let it wait and let it come to the Dollar Theater, and we'll see it at the same place we saw Midnight Me Train. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <clears throat> I'd rather see. I'd rather. If it's a good horror film, I, I, I wouldn't mind paying because that's you know that's the kind of I feel like it's charity. Like I feel like I'm doing a, a good thing for the human race when I go see I, a horror film and a good horror film in the theater. I don't really think Peter Sarsgaard needs your money. He's he's pretty. He's, that guy is, is on I know fire. A twist in it. I don't want to read the twist, um, and, but uh, I know there's a twist, and I keep thinking like, what could it be? You know. Is it, is it is it dark guard? Is he like on his knees, like with a little kid wig the whole time, or something? <laughs> <laughs> you better stop. You're giving you're giving the uh, producers ideas for a sequel. I mean, it's got a, there's a twist, and I'm just keep, I wonder what what it is. And Ren, don't tell me. But I'm highly shocked you managed to avoid it. Yeah, I, I, I haven't been reading much about it, but um, I imagine that's where your good review came in because it must have shocked you a little bit, right? I mean, it really, I mean, the twist didn't have much to do with that. I mean, it works kind of in spite of the twist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really, I you know, I just went to the screening just to go and kind of, you know, throw out, you know, Chud's name and everything and be there, and it was a free movie. Took the folks and uh, ended it up from the opening scene really digging it. And it's not like, I didn't find it like a second coming sort of thing. It's no godfather of horror, but... It's just 
it's so much fun. It it does shock you with its brutality a lot, and it just it's not stupid. I really don't think it's stupid. Now, I know a lot of people are enjoying it kind of ironically or yeah. you know kind of in a GI Joe sort of way. And you know, if they enjoy it that way, whatever. But I, I, I don't think it's this. Uh, I think it's a lot smarter than it's being given credit for, especially in the way that it handles you a guys, couple of the characters. Are you guys talking about GI Joe? Talk about, talk about the orphan. <laughs> talk about the orphan, Nick. Well, while you're gone, I figure we could talk about it, and you wouldn't get mad. When the film, when the film's over, does it say "end orphan"? <laughs> directed by directed by the guy who did House of Wax, which is the film I kind of like as well. So I'm excited to see the Orphan. I'm officially excited. Ren, you got me wow. excited, and you got me excited to see the movie. Well, and, and I caught it. So. I picked the perfect point to drop off from this conversation. I got to see you fellows later. Okay, Micah, thank you so much. You son of a bitch. Always a pleasure. Cheers, sir. All righty. Oh, shit. Which one is Mike and which one's Ren? Okay, that solves that. Um, speaking of House of Wax, that's where Storm Shadow was in a fair time. <laughs> Poor Storm Shadow. Poor Good Shadow. <laughs> nice. Great. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see... Um, I don't know for which I'm more... If I'm more to get away or G.I. Joe with you. Um, we have to see Perfect Getaway. I mean, too, he's, he's too meaningful of a filmmaker to us. He's meaningful to no one else for some reason, but I've, I think I've never disliked the movie he's done. He's got two other fans. I mean, he directed he directed Below, which is a great film that, like, people still really haven't seen. Must have it cost so much money and they just buried it. <laughs> And early Zach Galifianakis' performance in that movie. Yep. No, I mean, he's made, I like Tui, all of Tui's stuff, just about. Yeah. But this, see, I thought when I first um, saw his name, I was like, this has got to be a director for hire thing, but he wrote it too. Yeah, he did. It's a passion project. I hope not. Starring Steve, Steve Zahn. I love Steve Zahn. So do I. Oh, you know what movie looks horrible? I keep seeing the trailer for and it, I mean, it's an understatement, but, um, Shorts. Oh. The new Rodriguez film, where he, he goes crazy with the, um, CGI, like the, the you know, like the cheap-looking CGI, the quick and dirty CGI. He's, he must be... You say that Robert Rodriguez is not, is, is all, a, he, all he is is a very mediocre filmmaker with a great toolbox. He really is. I mean, he's got his own stu- he's got his own effects house in his own studio, and he doesn't know fucking how to use them. Yeah, he's he's. Uh, I mean, he he he's. In- I think he's interesting from a business perspective for sure, but he he definitely is not a filmmaker you really can look forward to seeing his flicks. I mean, I, I would know, rather I watch like him cook. City. I, I do like Sim City, but I, you're right. I mean, he's this this kid this kid thing that he's doing that he must just be doing for you know cash. Um, well, I mean, he's really in, like, I don't take, well, take it the wrong way, I don't care. He's really into his kids, and I think he he, he does those movies, they're kind of like, I don't, they're like several million dollar, you know, home movies that he gets to yeah. be with his kids.
kids. Lava Girl and Shark Boy. Yeah, there you go. What's funny is, though, is adult movies, you know, Sin City, you know, that sort of thing, are actually have the same relationship with their genre that his kids' movies do. Like, they're, you know, equally derivative in, you know, respect to their age group that they're aiming for yeah. in a lot of ways. Same level of maturity, I guess. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm it's afraid. Good, it's a good title, though. Great title. Well, the full title is Short Adventures of the Wishing Rock. How's that work for you? <laughs> it's got a bloated James Spader stepping into the villain. <laughs> Remember when James Spader was 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 a f- fancy guy? I love I love James Spader back in the day. He was great. He was dependable. Uh, if, if, yeah, and and who helped make his name? The recently deceased. Yeah, John Hughes. <clears throat> yeah, James Spader's great. Yes. He was in a, a very surprisingly. Uh, he he was in a lot of like little little kind of not gems but little movies, and then he fucking then he went to TV and died. Yeah, and people loved him on TV, and now he's just kind of in sh- shorts. He's not really doing anything else. He's the practice Boston legal spinoff. Yep. The whole thing that was freaking up. <clears throat> you know what's weird though is like um, back to uh, Robert Rodriguez. You look at his upcoming films. It's, it's scary how much stuff he has the potential to fuck up. <laughs> He's got a lot on his plate, that's for sure. And he, hey, and Red he's, Sonja looks like a nightmare. And he's um, he's uh, loving on Rose McGowan, right? I mean, that's his that's his honey. He's trying to get her into Red Sonja and Barbarella and all that. And it's not really working, correct? Poor Rose. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't feel I don't know for anybody. And, and and who really who really wants to see Machete? I mean, who really wants that movie as more as more than what it's been? Well, I want to see it now because the cast is. Well, I like the idea of it. I like the idea of it when it was just going to. You know, I guess people were thinking it might be just a really cheap direct to video sort of thing. But they're yeah. going forward I don't, with it. I'm not I mean to me it just seems like a bunch of favors being and I don't I can't I can't get behind it. I, I, don't know. Like, I, I think the cat I love Danny hey, I love Danny Trejo more than the the Earth's bountiful resources, but it's yeah. just Okay Steve. Yes. Hello, is this John Adams? This is him. That's actually why I was late showing up. I was too busy looking at pictures of John Adams. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go, guys. You you got you you and um, love on Steve for a little bit. It's good. Get back to work. Thanks. Bye. You, you scared Justin away, Steve. Yeah, I don't think that went necessary. So uh, we've got uh, we've got uh, seven minutes before the end of the show. Um, we've talked a lot about GI Joe. We had Micah on before. We had you know we had a nice little discussion, but I think I think it would be uh, we would be bereft to have not. Taking your your experience into 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 the conversation too. So, Steve, GI Joe. This film had me, and the opening opening sequence set in 1641. Honestly, that was amazing. You knew you were watching something special. I knew it. I knew it, it was either that or it was uh, someone had slipped in Ben Housing instead. Unbelievable! What? I mean, can you kidding me? GI Joe, the real American hero films. 
up in 1641. Oh, God. That is pretty... We didn't talk about the fact that they have um, a plane that is operated by Scottish, Scottish work. Gaelic, yes. Whatever, fucking like I know, like I care about those people. And it was a, it was, it was Tikver. That was the word. I don't think it was Tikver because then Run Lola Run would have started the spool. <laughs> that was crazy. That was uh, there's a there's a there's a super intelligent plane that is operated by by fucking Gaelic. So I guess Storm yep. Shadow's going to separate it. He's unbelievable. And he's running through all these words like fire, shoot, kill, bust the cap. And like, does that work? <laughs> Marlon Wayans. Wayans. Marlon Wayans. Marlon Wayans. Somebody needs to put him down. So Actually, bad. I was talking about this earlier. He, he, was, he was annoying, but no more annoying than he ever is. I mean, I, I, I'd heard the, the, the part of the movie. Not. Yeah. No, I know. He, he was not... He was not the most annoying. Actually, no one was really overly annoying for him in the film, but even he was, because there was so much silliness going on around him, he was tolerable. But, oh, my God, 1641, are you kidding me? <laughs> God bless Stephen Summers. Beautiful. I don't think that's possible. I have not had that much um, fun in a film in a long time. No, it's, it's a fun time. We had a good time. And I think it's definitely the Midnight movie helps. Having you know the right kind of combination of people there helps because if you if you if you are seeing that movie and there's this one of those people who nitpicks logic, it would be like a me. nightmare. You are done. No, no, I'm talking about like like they're like uh, I, have, I have this friend Dane who used to like like if would nitpick like logical things about a movie and and uh, you know it, you have to you have to just not do that with a movie like this. It's, of course it's dumb. Of course it's you know it's. It defies all good things in the world. That's what makes it what it is, yeah. But um, it was funny because, like, the audience seemed genuinely kind of into it. And unfortunately, a lot of those people were watching it as a real movie. Uh, one, one guy in particular sitting in front of us is really into it. We discussed that. Yeah, we were talking about it. Yeah, yeah we, we talked about it. I think there's going to be, I don't know, I, I definitely think there's going to be a lot of people walking in with the wrong audience or expecting the wrong thing, and, and I, nobody's going to agree on this one. I don't know why not. It starts in 1641. I, I, I wonder, actually, what the projections are for the finances of this, What how people think it's going to do. I heard 60 for the opening weekend, but I, I don't know, remember where that came from. I could be completely inaccurate. Um, box office guru who... I don't like mentioning him because he's a jerk, but uh, let's see here. That he anticipates G.I. Joe doing 70 to 75. No, no, they, no they don't. They, they can't be. There's no way. That seems really No, they say, oh, no, no, he says 40, about 50, about 50 million. I don't think I don't think it needs to do all that much. I mean, as, as much effect as is in it, I can't imagine that film actually costs more than 100 is that a is that a realistic? I think one seventy five is what I heard. Really? I think so. I mean, because should have spent more on the, on the effects, honestly. Should have spent more on that. Actually, I I I, I love the uh, underground. Un, I love the underwater base. 
They all have a little fucking manta manta ships. It's so it's so generic, but it's great. And then the robotic like, fish. They should they should do a prequel where it's just um, Cobra getting the uh, contracts together to get um, people to build a fucking giant underwater lair. Uh, you, you figure that they had to build it above water and then sunk it, which would have sucked if they hadn't worked. You know why they would work? Because the, the the guy with the the guy with the flame in the background. <laughs> the dude with the blowtorch. Yeah, Steve. I, 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 you're, I know you're. I know you're a licensed. I know you're a licensed engineer, but they do. They don't build shit on land and then sink it to 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 make it successful. Uh, are you sure? Well, they they do that with underground layers. They have to underground layers. They have to. Do we have to bring this Star Trek where shit is built argument into the GI Joe? Is well, I can just go into my, uh, my extensive library and pull that book off the shelf if need be. <laughs> Your extensive library? My extensive library, yes. Yes. Well, we are in the last minute and a half of the show. So, Steve, I think you should sing a song. No. Um, what, what, uh, on a scale of 1 to 2,000, Ren, what is G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra? On a scale of one to two thousand, it is nineteen seventy-six. Well said, Steve. And mine's obviously sixteen forty-one. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I was, I was, I was <laughs> that's incredible. I think I think I think we've done a fantastic job of talking about how GI Joe uh, has of. Uh, you know what's funny? I'm just looking at the G.I. Joe thread on Chud. In 2008, they listed the cast, and they had The Rock as Shipwreck. But he's nowhere to be found. Everything else is, is, everything else is pretty much legit, but Shipwreck was not in the film. Unless I really miss... Maybe a director's cut will be in there. Not to say, oh, special edition. That, yeah, The Rock's not exactly the box office draw he used to be, so it's not like it would have made a huge deal. You mean you didn't see Race to Witch Mountain, sir? I did not. I, I, <laughs> gentlemen, much appreciate you time and for the uh, the people listening not worth theirs. Uh, let's do it again. Well, Thanks, guys. Thank you, sir. Be good.